I'm James Whitaker, and this is episode 100 of the Win the Day podcast. You're listening to Win the Day with James Whitaker. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, here's your host, James Whitaker. Let's go! Hey winners, welcome back to Win the Day, and this is a very special milestone, episode 100 of the Win the Day podcast. Having this show has changed my life, hopefully your life too, and I'm so grateful that you've been on this ride with me. The show has now been listened to by people in 96 countries around the world, and that says to me that the Win the Day movement is spreading like wildfire, so you and I need to keep up the momentum, keep leading by example, and keep rising every single time we fall. If you haven't already, now now is the time to go and give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also a very big thank you from me from a very grateful heart to you and all the other loyal listeners for helping the show get to 100 episodes. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your support. And speaking of special guests, we have someone very special joining me in the studio here in Los Angeles today, Brandon T. Adams, a very close friend of mine who has also appeared on the show before. To figure out what we were going to do for episode 100, a lot of people suggested that why don't I go in the hot seat? That's what Brandon is going to do. Episode 100, Brandon, great to have you here. It is now your show. Win um, the day with Brandon T. Adams. Dude, I am super <laughs> excited, James. Uh, I want to start with this quote for the episode. It's a favorite quote that of yours that I love is, each day, if you do not make the decision to win, you've automatically made the decision to lose. I want to say that one more time. Each day, if you do not make the decision to win, you've automatically made the decision to lose. So in this podcast and for book projects, James has interviewed hundreds of people from billion dollar entrepreneurs and special force soldiers to number one New York Times bestselling authors and even death row inmates. And I got to say, James, what I love about James is the fact that he cares so much about people. He will go above and beyond what he's done for me over the years from traveling to Iowa, <laughs> traveling to masterminds, to marrying me for my <laughs> wife and I, and just being that guy that really wants to go above and beyond. And you think about and think and go rich. When you add massive value to people, things come back in return. And James Whitaker does that. So I want to go right into it with James. In this episode, we're going to talk about the origins of the wind today podcast. We're going to talk about the best lessons from everyone he's interviewed. We're going to talk about what stops people from achieving their success and what they want. And we're going to answer questions in the win the day community that have been submitted. So this could be a fun one. Let's win the day with James Whitaker for episode 100. So, James, how does it feel to be at episode 100? <laughs> Triple figures. It feels great. It feels great. And it feels I'm really grateful to have you here today as well. So I'm um, just deeply grateful for everyone who's listened and supported the show and immensely grateful as well to all the people who have been able to come on here. I mean, so many great opportunities and connections have been established from the show. So um, if we made it to 100, I think we can get to 200 just as easy. <laughs> so when you were younger, what career path did you naturally just go towards? 
Being a writer was a big thing for me. And uh, I just, writing is something that I've, has always just come very naturally to me. So I actually, the, when I left high school, the first thing that I did was enroll in a degree, a Bachelor of English in Writing. Yeah. And I'll never forget the professor there said that if you put your hands up, if you want to um, make money from writing and everyone's, you know, 200 hands went up and he said, let me be clear, you will not make any money from writing. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Uh, not what <laughs> I was expecting. Yeah, exactly. Not what I was expecting to hear from the professor. So the next day I enrolled in a dual degree that was still English <laughs> and writing, but also adding the business component from there. So writing, fortunately, is something that I've now, you know, I take great pride in how the finished episode of these shows appear. That's able to leverage my writing background. Same with having, now I've got three best-selling books out available in, I think, 14 languages around the world. So writing has always been very, very close to my heart. And it's just taken me a long way to figure out how I can use that in a business sense. What's been the toughest thing in writing for you? I mean, so many authors, even successful authors like yourself, struggle. What's been your struggle that you've had to overcome? I don't really get things like writer's block and everything else. Like I'm, I am pretty good. To me, that one of the biggest shifts was doing my most creative work in the morning as the priority. So recognizing where was the time in the day when I had the most energy, and then using that for my most creative work. Most people wake up, they want to pick the low hanging fruit. They do things like email. So now I only do emails when I'm tired when I can do things on autopilot. So that was a huge shift for me. I like that. Yeah. So what has been the single biggest decision that's made an impact in your career today? Probably the decision to get good at relationships. And that has come through a big focus on communication, a big focus on personal development and having some type of specialized knowledge that I can go and give other people. Because you can go and connect with a whole bunch of, of people, but if you don't have any type of value that you can provide them, or you don't have a platform to be able to access their genius, it's going to be much harder to do that. So I had expertise and now have expertise in a bunch of different areas. And having the show, we're here for episode 100 of the Win the Day podcast. It means that if I connect with someone who's really influential as you and I, we have the opportunity to do on a very regular basis, then I can bring those people into the Win the Day podcast. We can have an amazing conversation for one hour. We get along really well. And that opens up a whole bunch of connections through them. I can give them video assets. And that's where if there's someone else who I want to get on the show, either I can suggest that to them or they suggest those guests to me. So you're 100 episodes in. It as a podcaster, I know how hard it is. I mean, it's it's definitely a lot of work at the beginning and you're doing it with with really not making any money from the front end. What what was your reasoning for starting the podcast? And then also what's kept you going to get to 100 episodes? Because I don't know the percent, but of, of the millions of podcast shows out there, I bet it's like 0.01 percent that actually get to 100 episodes. I have no doubt. So the Win the Day podcast started as the Win the Day newsletter. And then I realized that people just don't naturally gravitate towards long-form content like they used to. So I thought, look, if these people aren't going to read the newsletter, then I am going to read it to them. So that's what I did. I, I said, I hit record on my phone and that was it. That was me reading the newsletter to them. And then I thought, well, if I'm already writing it and I'm already reading it, I might as well put a video camera there and record it. So it's the same amount of work except I can have it in audio, video, and written content. So that was the origins of the Win the Day podcast. And after one episode, I realized, oh my God, you've created a podcast and you didn't even realize it. So from episode two, that's where I started recording like an intro and an outro and all of these different things and made it a lot more professional. And a big thing that I've focused on over the years is what can I do to, you know, to always level up the professionalism, the guests, the questions, the experience, the audience and community interaction. 
all of those different things have been an ongoing focus. So it, it, it's crazy, man, just seeing your journey with this personally, but on, being on your show and the people you've interviewed. And I got to say, you, I've been on probably 350 shows and I, you're in the top five, if not like top one of creating the best experience, but also preparing for your guests. I mean, you literally, I remember when I came on the show, you read the book the day before it was fresh in your memory. So you knew like what to do. And it leads to my next question. What is very tactically how you prepare for your podcast and create the best experience for the guests? Because they get asked all the time, hey, come on my show. Talk about what you do to prepare, but also how you make the guests feel really good on the show. And then afterwards, a follow up and building that relationship. Every interaction, every touch point that you have with someone is an opportunity to either build trust or lose trust. That's the way that I think about it. So if someone comes on my show and I don't respect them through the preparation that I've done, if I don't respect them through knowing their body of work and what excites them most today, I'm always looking at what can I do to add value and show that person how much I respect them. And the best way to do that is preparation. So if someone's coming on the show, I will read at least their most recent book. I will listen to at least two podcasts that they have been on. And what I'm doing there is I'm making sure I'm not asking the same generic questions that everyone else asks them, things that... Like, what inspired you to do this? What inspired you to do that? You could have someone who wrote an amazing book 10 years ago, and if you keep asking them the same questions about that book, that might not even be relevant or the work they're most excited today. So if you can go and look at the social media and the content that they're putting out there now, then you can become aware of their legacy work, but also the work that most excites them today. So uh, in addition to those things, Getting an introduction through a mutual friend rather than reaching out cold, that instantly solidifies it. Providing amazing video assets afterwards because, you know, so much of your work is video. Um, I love having video. Everyone is after more good quality video to provide. And at the end, so through that process, at the end of every episode, all the guests inevitably say to me, wow, this is the best, if not one of the best interviews I've ever done, which opens the floodgates for me to say, Cool. If there's anyone else you think could be a great guest on the show, let me know. And that's how we're able to continue increasing the quality of the guests on the show. Have you ever been overprepared? Yeah, I think in the earlier episodes, it was a little bit too rigid in how I prepared. So sometimes the gift of going a little bit off the cuff now after having being here for 100 episodes and being featured on hundreds and hundreds of other podcasts and radio shows too, I can go off the cuff and have a a good energy and all of that works really well. So I've actually noticed that sometimes having it as a little bit of a time crunch or a little bit of a scramble can sometimes lead to a better interview because you're more present. So being too overprepared can actually be a weakness. So um, another thing that I didn't mention before is as I'm driving to do an interview, I'm always listening to like the final 20 minutes in my drive to the interview. I'm just listening to that person being interviewed by someone else at normal playback speed. And to me, it feels like we're already having a conversation before the interview even starts. So I can just go straight back in to continue the conversation rather than starting the conversation from scratch. So interesting because I was watching Larry King's documentary and he talked about how he didn't prepare that much. He actually, the thing that made him great was he was so in that moment and he asked the questions that came to him right in that moment. So really what you talked about kind of solidifies that. I mean, it's good to prepare, but it's also good to be in the moment and like just be 
asking those questions that come to you, right? It can go to great sporadic directions organically rather than you being so rigid and having already mapped out the entire story. Yeah. That's just based on your research. It's not based on reality. There's a lot of things that you have not been able to find based on your research that you can only entice and, and tease out of your guests, like a like a boxing match, like a dance before yeah. the you know, you need to have the interview and all that comes through asking really great questions. Like, is it a particularly dark day that stands out or on your best day? What's an affirmation that you would write on a flashcard to show yourself on your worst day? Or what was the mindset around your field of work growing up? Like these are questions that I've realized get very good, vulnerable answers. And that's why they're a, a regular presence, even though I try to add in a lot of unique questions too. And sometimes the best questions come from the question you ask that leads to a journey, then you ask into it deeper, right? Huge. Like, huge. tell me about that. Exactly. And Tim Ferriss has talked about this a lot too, and you do it so well. That's why I, I, good example. You say, ask somebody that's been on the show, do you have a recommendation? I've come on your show a couple of times now, I think. And I've always told people, dude, top five best interview ever done. And you do that. And, and that's what a guest wants, because here's the problem. Sometimes people go on a show and their time is wasted mm. because somebody doesn't ask the right questions, ask the same old stuff that's asked all the time. You don't do that. So that's what I love about you. <laughs> and I, I want to lead into what's a win for you in podcasting, because in this world now, you can look at downloads. You can look at the money you make from the podcast. You can look at who the guests are. But for you with the win the day podcast, what is your win? Like what makes it a success for your podcast? Good question. Um, well, sort of to touch on what you just said before too, like uh, connecting with a lot of billion dollar founders and really influential, successful people, they really love sitting down and having a great conversation. And if you can provide that to enough people, it doesn't matter what else happens. They will want to help you as much as possible, even if no one ever hears the interview, because they've really enjoyed that genuine, sincere conversation. Uh, a win for me is the messages and things that, that I get. And I'm only getting more and more and more in terms of the frequency of receiving those messages. So that's the real metric of success to me is how many people are reaching out to say that they now are focused on winning the day and they have the win the day mentality and they're sharing the win the day spirit with their family and their business and their community. That's the only real metric that I care about because to me it's real. Things like download numbers and and of course things like like business growth and audience growth, like these things are important metrics, but they pale. They're, they're a distant um, metric behind real impact from people whose lives have been changed through them implementing the lessons and channeling the inspiration that's provided on the show from you know the amazing guests and things that we've had on here. So I know one thing as a podcaster, when you when you interview people and you do your solo shows, it's like this... I don't know, almost like a meditation, but inspiration, but it gives you a lot of ideas. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, over 100 episodes, what are one or two different things that came to you that was a result of podcasting that drove you down a path to whether starting a business or even something you've done in your personal life that's affected in a better way? I didn't realize the power of podcasting until I was speaking at your event in LA yeah. so many years ago. And I saw people there talking about the power of podcasting. And I'd never been on a single podcast show before. But leaving that event, I made the commitment to be featured on 100 podcasts in a single year. And I'd been featured on a single show before it. And I was able to be featured on more than 150 podcasts um, just as a result of having the right plan, having the right intention, and following that relentlessly to a focus of delivering value 
and relationships. If you can do those things and the whole world opens up. So the biggest thing that I've learned is really the power of podcasting, but more conceptually than that, it's just the power of telling your story and the idea that if you don't tell your story, then no one else will. Storytelling is powerful. I mean, that's why I love podcasting is people sharing their story where the listeners can relate and then do something with their life. And you you have to have it through video for the most part now because you can extract the audio from video. You can extract uh, the transcript and you can put that out there as much as possible. We have three cameras on it right now. We have phones in our pockets. It's It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's cool. It's very easy for people to be able to record video content. You know, we could pick up our phones and just start recording great video content now. People are so worried about what are other people going to think about that when instead you need to have a bit of a paradigm shift on that and say, who are the people who are unable to have the transformation in their life? Because I am afraid of producing content because I'm so worried about what people who aren't going to watch it anyway are going to think. So produce content for people whose lives you want to help rather than being so worried about what people in your rear view are going to think. So true. And I look at, you said before, what you do very well is you provide the guests you have on like great content, like page notes, video content to share. And most podcasters don't do that. And that's why the guests don't share it. (laughs) So if you can make them look like a superstar, they're going to share with their audience because they're looking for content. You've done that. And that's why I've shared everybody else. Can, can you share quickly, like what's been the biggest success from creating valuable content for your guests where they shared it and it was like, it helped you really drive a lot of traffic. When you can uh, invite people as a collaborator on Instagram, which I think is one. So TikTok is by far the greatest organic social media growth tool right now. Don't sleep on Instagram though, because there is the invite collaborator thing that you can add. I love so that. Yeah. If you upload a video, I did one for, for Chris Voss. Um, one video has now got more than 800,000 views across different platforms. Uh, on TikTok, it popped, it did really well, but the invite collaborator feature on Instagram enabled Chris to be able to share that. So if you go and look at a lot of the posts I've done, you can see which ones have the collaborator tag, and then you can go and look at their profiles like Coach Owen Roddy, who's Conor McGregor's coach. So you can go and see my posts on his Instagram page. Of course, that was all through amazing content that he had provided on the show. Same with Chris Voss, the FBI negotiator and author of Never Split the Difference. Same with Gabby Reese, the Navy SEAL, William Branham. All of these different people are now sharing the content that we created together because I went the extra mile by giving them amazing video assets that they could use afterwards. So you have all these people, you're, you're naming them off, billion dollar brands to New York Times bestselling authors to like people that have achieved the unthinkable, Navy SEALs. How are you connecting with these people consistently? Like, what is your secret to be able to connect with them, get them on your show? It's very much a long game. Um, the first one is something I actually shared at, at, at Rise and Record. A big part of this would be have a platform to access their genius. Now, you could say, yeah, let's go and reach out and invite someone out for a coffee. Who has time for that? You don't have time for that. I don't have, to, I don't have time <laughs> that for that. Time. <laughs> exactly. You don't have half an hour or an hour. Pick your brain. Yeah, yeah to go and pick your brain. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can I you take that for coffee to pick your brain? <laughs> yeah. Horrible. But if you have a sincere mission and a platform to be able to access their genius, something like a podcast, people admire hustle and they admire heart. And that's an opportunity for you to reveal that through the podcast you have. So figure out who are the list of people that you want to have on, their, on the, your show Find a mutual connection. Someone can introduce you so you're not going in cold. Be sincere and upfront about the mission and what it is that you do and invite them into their movement. What are you going to do to further their mission? 
rather than being so focused on yourself. And if you can do those things and give them an amazing experience, the best thing about video assets is that you also maintain an ongoing presence in their life. So I might've done an interview 18 months ago, 24 months ago, but I can still repurpose and publish content in a unique way from that, which means they're going to see it, they're going to respect it, they're going to reshare it or accept it as a collaborator. And that means I'm staying front of mind. So when I can reach out to them and say, hey, I know that you're connected with this person or this person, the chances of getting a yes are a hundred times faster. So in addition to that, I also have built up now a good network of really um, just great people who have influential uh, guests or people with great stories who just reach out to me and say, look, here's a person that I really think you should have on, on the show. And if they're a great fit, we make it happen. You know, those videos, it's so good because you're, you're doing a co-branding yeah. association. And obviously when people see that, I'm always thinking about that. Like when I go to a different city, how can I get that content posted? People see that like, oh, you know, this person, which helps open the conversation for something else. And so I want to go into, I have a list here of just all the people you've interviewed and some of the top ones, which I'm really excited to, to hear what you say. So I'm going to go one by one off the list. And I just want to hear from you, like, what was the top lesson you learned from mm. that guest? Good question, um, yeah. So the first one, which is a good one because we we have a epic photo with uh, Barbara Corkin on <laughs> the red carpet for the premiere of Thinking Rich Legacy, which we're a part of. I'd love to hear first off, Barbara Corkin, what was a lesson you took away from her? Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. That's a good one. Love Barbara. Amazing what she's been able to achieve. I think the big one for her is that you don't need to know everything yourself. It's a bit yeah. like the Henry Ford story that you can, on the condition that you have an idea of where it is that you want to go, and you're always focused on adding value to as many people as you can, that you can find someone and surround yourself with people who have the answers so you don't need to know everything yourself. That was my favorite. I remember her saying that because it's like, I think she also didn't do very good in school. Mm -hmm. I had like a 1.68 and she literally like, that was her thing, getting the right people in the place. Yeah. Next one, John Asaraf. John Asaraf from The Secret. Uh, biggest one from him would be help the people who want the help, not the people who need the help. I've tried That's so cool. much. Yeah, I've tried so much to try and help so many people. And what I realized along that way was that often when I would try to lift people up, sometimes they can end up pulling you down because they're not ready for the help. I asked John Asaraf, what do you do in that situation? And he said, I only help people who want the help, not the people who need the help. Now, there's a lot of people out wow. there who need Powerful. help, but not everyone wants the help. So once they're committed and they, they show through their actions that they are ready for the help, that's when I will do, I'll give them everything I've got. That's good. Rob Deerdeck. Rob Deerdeck, uh, amazing guy. I mean, a, a skateboarder turned media mogul with all of the different TV shows and things and, and brands that he owns at the moment. Uh, biggest one for him was building an entire, like your calendar, your entire week about actions and people that give you energy rather than take it away. And you can even color code all of the things that you've got in your calendar is a, is a great thing to do. So color code them all. Red means it takes away energy. Green means it gives you energy. If you've got a whole week that's full of things that are red, then you've got to start moving those things around or not doing those things at all. Next one is one of my favorites. He's a fellow Iowa boy, Chris <laughs> Voss, top negotiator. What'd you learn from him? Chris Voss, FBI negotiator extraordinaire. The big one for him would be everyone gets hurt, but not everyone lives hurt. Ah, That's such a simple wow. little shift to make. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So if you've been hurt, 
recognizing, yep, that's okay. We all get hurt. Of course, some people get hurt a lot more severely and a lot more frequently than others, but it's your choice to live hurt. Use that, use that adversity as fuel to go and do something great. Wow. These are like, for listeners right now, I like, I'm going to go back to this. This is so good. One, la- I never actually heard that from Chris Voss yeah. before. I've always, I mean, he has, have you listened to his masterclass or went through his masterclass? Yeah. Isn't it crazy how just a, how you say things and the tone you say it and the questions you ask? Massive. Makes a huge difference in the power oh, shift and the dynamics. So good. Yeah. Next one, Gabby Reese. Gabby Reese. Biggest one for her would be the best way to show that you're grateful for something is to take care of it. Now, a lot of people talk gratitude. It's gratitude this, gratitude that. But if you were really grateful about something, that you would prove your gratitude by taking care of something before you have the problem. So if you're grateful for your body, look after your body. Like they say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Next one, Canadian billionaire, Errol Abramson. I think I said his last name. Errol Abramson. Yeah, yeah. From Think and Grow Rich the Legacy. Yeah, he had a powerful story. He did. So he passed away, sadly. So um, I hope barely a day goes by where I don't think about uh, about Errol. I was so grateful for all the conversations we were able to have. Biggest one for him, two, two actually big things from Errol. He said the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And what he meant in terms of that was you just got to make sure that you're, if there's something that you really want, following up and doing things like that is really, really powerful. If you, if you let it go, then of course, it's not going to get a great result. Out of nowhere, you're not going to get like a business deal coming to you. So if you want something bad enough, then you've got to follow up and do those things. It's good. And another one would be think about what type of life that you want to have and then create profit centers in your business to be able to create that lifestyle. If you don't want a billion-dollar lifestyle, you don't need to create profit centers to do that. But figure out what lifestyle you want and create the profit centers to get there. That's good. Next one, our mutual friend Rob Angel of Pictionary. Rob Angel, great guy. Shout out Rob, founder of Pictionary. And what an amazing moment we had with him um, the other day. <laughs> so good. Um, from Rob, it would be saying no more often to things that don't serve you. I think we've all been guilty of of saying yes to things where maybe it's going out and, and drinking too much or partying too much, whatever it is, but making sure that we that we are aware of what it is that really serves us and is getting us to where we need to be, the direction that we want to go in that'll take us to that destination and making sure that we're saying yes to things that get us there rather than pushing us in the opposite direction. That's good. Sharon Lecter. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Sharon Lecter, remember that at speaking event we were at when she said refire, not retire. Oh, I think that's so great. good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I love from Sharon is um, the best money is royalty money. So where you can earn money while you're asleep, and that's where things like book projects and um, scalable digital products are really great because you can earn revenue, you can earn money while you're sleeping. So that's a big one from Sharon. Kerwin Ray. Kerwin Ray, uh, the biggest one from him. Kerwin mentioned to me the importance of being calm in the midst of absolute chaos. And he's worked with a lot of special forces people. So that was a big goal of mine for the last two years was to get comfortable in special with special forces type training. Because when you're in a war zone, which you can simulate through um, gunfire and those types of things where the body is at its most stress, your life is literally on the line. That's where you need to be calm in that complete chaos. So a big goal of mine, which I haven't been able to do yet because of COVID and the the challenges of, of having a young family, but I want to go and get very good at literally getting comfortable around things like shooting guns and being in that environment so I can be calm and respond rather than be scared and, and anxious and, and react. Because 
as an Australian. Guns, I'll be, I'll be honest, guns terrify me. You know that. And um, getting more comfortable in the midst of complete chaos and that pursuit of calm is something that I want to have as a big focus. Good news is I know a guy that has a few guns. <laughs> <laughs> <Me too. laughs> a few guns you can shoot, buddy. The next one, uh, Sleep Doctor, Michael Bruce. I love that guy. Yeah, Let's- Michael Bruce. Uh, yeah, great guy. Shout out, Michael. Um, the biggest one for him would be that not everyone needs to wake up at five in the morning. And I think you get a lot of rah-rah lifestyle entrepreneurs yeah. who are telling you, hey, you've got to get out of bed at 5 a.m. I get out of bed at about 7 a.m. most days, and that's what suits me based on my chronotype. So the people who say that everyone should get up first thing in the morning at like five in the morning just don't know about sleep sleep science. So that was huge. Yeah, after I read his book, I'm just like, complete, I mean, I'm an early riser. I'm a lion, I think it is. Yep. But like most people don't realize like, Everybody's different. Every person's different, but you do need sleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the next one, Keith Ferrazzi. Keith Ferrazzi, uh, there is no excuse for you to remain mediocre. And I know that might seem harsh for people who are in tough situations. Keith has come from some very difficult situations, as have the hundreds of people who I've interviewed. Um, so of that, I'm certain is that there is no excuse for you to remain mediocre. You just figure out what it is that you want and you chart your path. That's right. Amen. Amen. So the next one is a legend who recently passed us, Bob Proctor. Bob Proctor. Uh, For him, it wasn't so much of a lesson. And of course, I've learned so much from Bob through his books and videos and, and interviews that you and I have been part of. But the biggest one for him was just the energy of um, of our interview. It was like he just reached into your brain and, and had a hold of it. So I think for him, just the energy was extraordinary. He's really in that moment. Yeah. I remember interviewing on the red carpet and he just like, he stopped. I asked the question, he stopped, he paused, and then he answered mm. so flawlessly. Yeah. It's crazy how yeah. that worked. But Janine Shepard. Janine Shepard, we had her on the show recently. Of course, I've interviewed her before. She said resilience is not something, it's not a line that you cross. It's a decision that you make every single day to be resilient. That's good. Now I have one more. It's a tough one for you. I'm curious to hear, what have you learned from Brandon T. Adams? My man, Brandon T. Adams. Uh, the biggest one for you, is that's that's an easy one, actually. And you know how um, I, I did a post on it recently talking about how you're the most persistent person I know. Biggest one for you is something that you actually shared on this show where you said ideas are meaningless, action is everything. And it is. It's completely true. Action is the real measure of intelligence. I think if I, I remember, I said ideas are shit without action. That's exactly what I said. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go into some more questions here. I, so many great lessons. Like for those listening, I'm even going to go back and, and listen to these because just so many good one-liners. Like if you could take three one-liners from that and implement that in your life, just think of the impact. That's why I love these shows sharing that kind of inspiration for people, but take one thing away and then do it. Huge. Okay. So what specific and practical things have you implemented after your interviews? Probably the biggest one would be after interviewing John Lee Dumas from EO Fire, who's had more than 2000 episodes of the entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah, obviously a good mutual friend of ours generated more than 20 million us dollars in revenue for his business through having the first daily podcast show for entrepreneurs. The biggest one for him was that energy shift of doing your life's work before your busy work. So doing your most creative work when you have the most energy and then doing those things that you can do on autopilot later in the day. That's the busy work. That's good. Have you had many like behind the scenes challenges or technical difficulties uh, that you've had to handle? There there have been some in terms of Zoom, dogs barking, you know, oh, crappy yeah. audio. If you're dealing with people who haven't podcasted before and they have like a crappy mic or they're using the, the computer mic, which is totally fine, but it doesn't lend itself to the best quality interview. 
in terms of the sound or the or the content because the sound can detract from the the quality of the interview um and it's why we're here and it's why almost exclusively now I'm doing these interviews here in the studio because it completely alleviates those those technical challenges so for somebody who's wanting to get into podcasting do you think there's still an opportunity or is it too crowded I think absolutely now is the time. A lot of people think there's a, there's a tale of two people who went to a new market and one person came, uh, they were shoe salesmen, and one person came back and said, it's not a good market for us because no one wears shoes. And the other person said, it's the perfect market for us because no one wears shoes. Mm-hmm. And everyone now is aware of podcasting. This is your opportunity. Again, tell your story or no one else will. That's so good. I've never actually heard the the shoe story. (laughs) What are the biggest mistakes you actually see podcasters make? Being underprepared and being too transactional with the way they approach the relationships on the show. Because the reality is you get 10x the ROI on your show before anyone even hears the episode. And you do that through getting a connection through a mutual friend to the right guest preparing for that, delivering them amazing an amazing experience, and then the video assets afterwards. If you do that, the yield that you will get back on, on your podcast almost immediately is incredible. And to quantify what that could look like in five years, 10 years, like look at the networks that you and I have been able to establish, mm-hmm. not just with each other, but through the guests, through all the people that we've been able to interview over the years, what it's worth to us now, what would that be worth in 20 years as we continue to stay connected with these people and everything else? So absolutely huge. So this will be a good question for you because I'm curious to hear, I'm, I'm huge on video mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I multi-purpose that, but tell, talk about where audio can differentiate itself from video. And, and how that's so powerful. Well, you got your Rise and Record event coming up in Nashville as well. Yeah. So I want to let people know, go and check out Rise and Record. Uh, I spoke at the Thank last you. event in, in Florida. It's an amazing event, riseandrecord.com. Yes, yes, go, sir. Go and check it out. Audio is great in that it's good. and it's, it's easy to get up for audio because you don't need to worry about yeah. how you look and you don't need to worry about looking at yourself and all of those different things if you're doing it remotely where you can see yourself on Zoom. So there's certainly a lot more effort required for video but you cannot bring video in for an audio file. You know, you can do stock footage and things, but it's not, it's not really worth it. So I prefer to record video and then you extract the audio from there and then you extract the written from that in long form and then you extract short form out of the long form. And then, I mean, the, the, you could create a near infinite amount of content from a single one hour video interview. I love that. Yeah. It's so powerful because I, I always say like, Audio can always be taken from video, multi-purpose, and there's so many different mediums you can utilize that, that one asset for it. Uh, so, okay, we're going to switch it up a little bit. If you are working with a frustrated entrepreneur who is desperate to get to that next level, what steps would you walk them through, take them through? Good question. Uh, it would be through the things that we've gone through today. It really would be telling your story. Like you think out of nowhere, all of these people are going to find you? Like in business and life, I like to stack the deck as much as opportunity to, to force opportunity and force fate and luck to come my way rather than waiting for it. The way that I do that is putting myself out there so as many people as possible know about me, not just in terms of viewers and listeners for a podcast show or readers of a book, but relationships where people know my mission. They know who I help and how I can help them and the types of solutions that I need and help that I need to get me to where I need to go. So um, just getting access to as many people as possible through that and telling your story, I think is an absolute no brainer and unbelievably easy for everyone to do. That's good. So you're always talking about winning the day. Do you ever lose the day? 
And if you do, how, how do you handle it? One of my favorite quotes is, uh, some days you're the pigeon, some days you're the statue. <laughs> so yes, I, you know, I, I have days where I'm low on energy and, and different things happened. And, and I used to find that immensely frustrating and it still can be very frustrating when you have things to do. Anyone who's a parent knows how challenging it can be when you wake up with a very little sleep, if, if, if not no sleep at all. Um, so rather than running harder on the treadmill, I try and just take a moment to myself. I just get outside, a bit of sunshine, um, maybe go to the beach, just have time to myself, get outdoors or go and do some exercise and just be at peace. Someone who's a good friend of mine, Alethea Boone, who's like a five-time CrossFit Games athlete, she said, you don't need to, to set a world record every day. You just need to give the best energy that you've got on that day. And I really like that. So that's what I try to that's focus really on. That's really good. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to questions from the Win the Day community. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Mary from Canada, if you were to start all over again from nothing, what would you do and why? Whew, if I were to start all over again from nothing, I would launch a podcast from my phone so I could do it free and quickly. <laughs> I would go to a cafe in an entrepreneurial type area and just work there and get to know people and have organic conversations. And I would be interested in other people. That's the best way to be interesting. Whereas most people as, as you so are good. Yeah. yeah. You and I recently were at an event where people, they're just talking for 20 minutes about what they do. And if you're focused on asking people what they do and they're busy talking about what they do, it's too one-sided. So by doing that, by asking questions of other people, that's the best way to get them interested in you. So that's the focus that I would have. I would just try and build up my network by adding as much value as possible as I documented the journey and put video content out there. Like it. Next one, Brett in Brisbane. What is the best piece of advice you've been offered during a podcast by a guest? I'm trying to think of something we haven't shared yet today. In terms of all the other ones that we've shared were so impactful, there's one that Greg Connolly, who's the founder of the largest organic meal delivery service called Trifecta Nutrition, he had said that the best business model to build, like a real scalable business model, can only come through a subscription model. And I love that. So the clients like the predictability of knowing where their meals are going to rock up every single week, and the business likes the predictability of cash flow because they can invest in all the other types of things for the business. So um, having a business through a subscription model, I think is very, very smart. Um, it's a small thing to sort of say, but when you dive into that interview, in, in terms of sheer business value, I think that might've been the best interview out of all of them. Nice. Suzanne in Canada, when you have experienced a failure in your life, what steps can you take to learn from the situation and how can you change it to a learning situation instead of being a victim of the situation? Good question. Always asking yourself, what's the gift in this? That's uh, good. What is the gift in this? It's such a simple reframe to, to have. And sometimes that can take a little bit of time. Uh, I like the other quotes, things like, instead of saying, why me, say, try me. Um, I think <laughs> that's me. important. Yeah, but you know, we can also think about that Napoleon Hill quote that uh, every adversity, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. I go and look at the stories, all of the people included in Think and Grow Rich, the legacy like Janine Shepard, Jim Stovall, people who have overcome unbelievable hardship. They focused on the gift and they also focused on the most important opinion is how you feel about yourself. And if you do that, try and learn as much as you can about that. What can you action and implement from that lesson? Like what did it teach you? And think about what it is that you want to achieve from there. And, and move forward. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to let these things go. If you, if you hold on to hate, 
The only person who gets destroyed is you. That's good. Andrew in the Gold Coast. How much of a role did Entourage play in you choosing the entrepreneur dream in the USA? And who is your favorite character and why? <laughs> I saw that one. question come through. Andrew Mackey, shout out the Mac dog. Um, Entourage. What's up, Andrew? Uh, shout out to him. Yeah, man. yeah. yeah. Uh, Entourage, great show. Uh, absolutely great show. My favorite character, probably Ari Gold. I think Ari Gold is, is hilarious. And um, I will admit it's pretty cool being based in LA where I've lived now for the last eight years where that show is is based. It's just it speaks to the importance of being in an environment that you find inspiring. So um, that's what I love about LA. So Rose in, I think, Tasmania? Tasmania. Tasmania. Yep. There we go. Rose in Tasmania. I'm in the process of starting an online radio station. Any marketing tips? Ooh, an online radio station. Building up your audience organically is a good way to do that. So I would not wait until you hit record. And then all of a sudden, you, you, you think there's going to be millions of people there. What are you going to do to stack the deck through the awareness of doing that? So raising awareness organically through the content that you're putting out now, building hype through a countdown to the launch day, and thinking what partners and relationships that you can activate. You have your ideal audience in droves to drive them at a specific day to that launch, uh, and then making your audience and your community part of the conversation is what I would do. That's good. Lauren in Brisbane. What was a time in your life where you took your biggest risk? What did this moment teach you? Biggest risk for me would have been at the age of 28 when I made the decision to leave the industry that I'd worked in pretty much my entire life and to leave the city that I had lived in for literally my entire life and move to the other side of the world. I went from Brisbane to Boston where I didn't know anyone. I just moved there with my, with my girlfriend at the time and was in an MBA that was nine months in Boston, three months in Shanghai in China. Um, that was absolutely massive. And I couldn't even fathom it at the time how impactful that would be for me. The biggest lesson was that I didn't realize how much of a bubble that I'd been in until I left that bubble. And it got me around entrepreneurs for the first time. I was just only surrounded by yeah. entrepreneurs. I was 28 and I saw people who were my age and younger who were raising money. They were pitching. They were doing all of these things to get partners and clients and all of that. It was the first time that I'd been exposed to that. And the moment I saw those people doing it, that is when I realized for me that I could do it too. So I'm that. glad you came to the US. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Nathan in Sydney, what's the best advice you can give to someone wanting to be their own boss and start their own business or businesses? The best leader was once the best follower. So if you want to start yeah. your own business, I think it's really powerful to go and find the really the best leaders that you know. If it's in the industry that you want to be in, yeah, that's really helpful. But if not, just finding the best leaders. How do they treat people? What's their daily routine? Uh, what do they do to grow their business? What do they do for their own self-care? And once you do that, and if you're in a position where you can be getting a lot of value from them, and ideally a little bit of money, so you're not making a huge leap and working for nothing because that financial hardship and, and pressure can be very real and very debilitating, um, that's your opportunity to think about what's the movement that you want to create? What's the business that you want to create by thinking about what are the problems that you want to solve? Who has those problems? What are the solutions that you can introduce? And how do you bring people in in terms of raising attention, turning that attention into engagement, and turning that engagement into sales to grow your business and give them the transformation along the way? So last question from the Win the Day community is from Haley in Townsville. What are your positive learnings from recent years in COVID? things you've learned to do differently and for the better? 
Self-care would, would be the biggest one. So for yeah. me, I have my morning my morning journal time, getting some sunshine. And um, I do, it's this fitness class once a week. It's about it's, it's about as much as I can do with, you've, you've stayed with me, you know what it's like yeah. with, the, with the kids uh, and, and two working parents. It can be very tough. But to me, it's a successful week when I can stay consistent with my journal. And I haven't missed a beat now in 350 days on that. It's been 350 consecutive days and getting that fitness class done once a week. If I can do that, then that's a huge win for me. So I got a couple questions before we go into the lightning round uh, or the win the day rocket round that is. So first one is what are you focused on as a parent to give your kids the best chance of success? Uh, Henry's only six months old, so he's a bit young at the moment. But with Sophie, very specifically right now, I'm focused on, uh, of course, making sure that she always feels loved and happy. But anytime that she's upset or frustrated about something, I ask her, what's the problem? So we can't do anything else. We stop yeah. and I ask her, well, let's let's figure out what the problem is. If she can't figure it out, I'll, I'll help her figure it out. But we look at what is the problem and then I ask her, what do you think is a good solution? Sometimes I need to guide her to that. But I just, it doesn't matter what career she goes down, if she can, or, or what relationships she has, if she can always be good at identifying the problem and be resourceful at identifying the best solution, I think that's a great gift in terms of resilience and resourcefulness. That's good. On your best day, what's an affirmation that you would write down on a flashcard that could show yourself on your worst day? Hmm. That's a question I ask everyone on the show and it's a hard, it's a hard <laughs> one to answer. You it's are, a tough one. Got it, me thinking. It really is. You are destined for unbelievably great things that will help change the lives of millions of people. Keep going. Love that. Okay, we're going to dive right into the win the day rocket round. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Number one, what quote inspires you the most? Oh, one of my favorite, so many. I, I love a good quote. Uh, there's a Jim Rohn quote, affirmation without discipline is the beginning of delusion. That's one of my favorites. Uh, run the day or the day runs you. Uh, action is the real measure of intelligence from Napoleon Hill. Uh, and probably the last one would be that excellence is not a single act, but a habit. Number two, morning coffee or evening wine? <laughs> Both, but uh, if, I, if you held a gun to my head, morning coffee. <laughs> What's one bit of advice you would give your 18-year-old self? Probably not dissimilar to, to what I mentioned for the um, the affirmation before on the on the flashcard. Um, it would be you are so much so much greater, infinitely greater than what you could possibly even imagine right now. Don't sell yourself short. Do everything you can to get into the best physical shape, mental shape, and get out there and, and talk to the most inspirational people you can find and do exactly what they tell you. What book do you give the most? Five Minute Journal, Think and Grow Rich, um, and Mindset by Carol Dweck. That's good. Was there a vulnerability you once hid within that became your superpower? It would be the debilitating anxiety that I thought was such a curse when I was young that just gave me a huge amount of empathy as I started to open up for that. And as I opened up, uh, a lot of people were attracted to me because they realized that I was being upfront Good. about that vulnerability and, and we had that shared empathy. What's one thing you've learned about failure? It can be the greatest source of inspiration and growth you ever experience on the condition that you accept it as such. Yes. If you could sit on a park bench and have a conversation with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be? 
I know he's a polarizing figure. I really love Elon Musk. I'd love the opportunity to, to, to do that. And you'd bet your ass there'd be a microphone recording that conversation. <laughs> uh, apart from that, either of my parents, um, I love them both. And just every, every opportunity I, I get to have a conversation with them, I just I cherish. That's good. I miss them too. <laughs> <laughs> what tool or resource best helps you run your life or your business? After 38 years of, of using Windows computers, I moved to a MacBook for the first time ever. Yeah. So now, now seeing the way that my uh, reminders and notes sync with the Mac ecosystem uh, and my iPhone, that's been great. So I would just say the reminders app on my phone and the notes app on my phone for how it syncs. That's good. Share one thing on your bucket list. Oh, on my bucket list, New York Times bestselling author. I love that. What's one thing you do to win the day? It would be the morning routine, which is a few different phases. The very first one is the acknowledgement phase that the day is there to be won. The second part would be the sacrifice phase, which is the cold shower to prove that I've turned up for the day. Third is the gratitude phase and what's unique about the last 24 hours, which I do in my morning journaling. And then the fourth thing is writing down what three things would make today a win. And then as part of that, it'd just be getting some sunshine. I just want to acknowledge you as we wrap this up here of what you've done for this show. You are the epiphany, just literally like showing people what podcasting should all be about. It's not about, okay, what's in it for me? I mean, given you get a lot from it, but you're providing so much value. You're bringing on great guests. You're putting so much time into your shows for all of you listening. Like, I, I hope you're getting value from this. I, I know you are because I do as a listener and obviously being on the show, this is what the standard should be for podcasting. So thank you, James Whitaker, for all that you do. And that's it for episode 100 of the Win the Day podcast. I just want to say thank you, James. Again, if you can, please give James a five-star review and hit that subscribe button because you know that he's providing a lot of value to you and it just takes a few minutes to go hit the subscribe button, give a five-star review. And until next time, y'all, we'll see you later. Thank you to our guest host, Brandon T. Adams, and thanks everyone for helping us win the day together.